uh, best supporting actress. I had notes here. Um, I really like, as I said before, Barbara Bagley in Nashville. Um, I just like thought she was a very much needed uh, comedic backbone to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought I just thought her, her when she was crying about the Kennedys um, was just so well done. And yeah, I really liked her. And oddly enough, I actually I forget it was not Julie Christie, but the other woman in shampoo actually won this in the Goldie Oscars. Allen? No, the older. Oh, woman. Lee Grant wins Lee Grant. for best supporting actress. Yeah, one. But I think Julie, I like really like Julie Christie, um, and her performance in shampoo. Also, that was my other supporting actress shout out. But I think I would go for Barbara Baxley. Hmm. Hmm. Remind me. So who's Barbara? Who who's who are you referring she's to? She's the she's the like tour manager person for um the main guy. Okay. I, know, I had to go short it curly hair. No, the the priest from Wedding Crashers. Yes, the priest from Wedding Crashers slash the Nazi from Blues Brothers. <laughs> oh, I've never seen Blues Brothers. Holy shit. Yeah, he plays like a Midwestern Nazi. <laughs> Yeesh. Yeah. Okay, okay, I got it now. She was buried on the IMDB. I couldn't I couldn't find her. I also okay. have a Nashvilleite. Uh Lily Tomlin, Nashville. I think Sam said it as well as I ever could. Interesting character, complex. I really so. You brought it up, so I have the right to respond. It's suppo- We're supposed to know or think as the audience by the end that that was just an act in front of her husband, and they've been sleeping around this whole time, her and Keith Carradine. It seems like it. And it's also interesting. Is he, like, that call he has right after... Is that with an is is that with an it sounded like it was almost with another wife in like a different town, right? He was asking her to like drive all the way out. Was that right? Or I can't remember. It was a while ago at this point. She just seems like a kind of interesting philanderer, kind of like serially. The world's most interesting philanderer. <laughs> um weeknights at eight. And starring Sam White. But it was interesting also how like just completely okay okay with it she was like their relationship was just another layer in the complexity that was Lily Tomlin's character yeah I yeah no it, it did to, to this to this point yeah I think it's, it can be hard to pull that off acting wise to have to sell that she wasn't being honest when she was being ostensibly honest to to her husband in that earlier scene with the, with the phone call and and whatnot. And I there's a lot of I don't know heart and authenticity to her relationship with with her child with her children, but particularly the 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 one who's deaf. I thought they were both deaf. Oh, are they, both, they deaf? Were both deaf? They're both deaf. Yeah, yeah. 
Wait, we can cut that part out too, Taryn. Um, and <laughs> so, like, she's got two children. They're both. <laughs> I should just be able to I like, just use love a, their relationship. Find the word Taryn. So, whenever we need to cut something out, someone says Taryn and they'll find it. Um, yeah. And I also like the subtlety with which the husband, he's not openly hostile at all to his kids. No. But you can tell he's just not as interested at going to their level he's not he doesn't know sign language he's kind of like half-assedly he's kind of like trying to rush to their son through the story where she's obviously like enjoying the fact that he's telling it himself and he's doing the joke or whatever the story himself at we that get it that you scene. watched it yesterday yeah <laughs> but it was such big i watched this yesterday for this movie (laughs) (laughs) but um so he's not like openly hostile to the kids but it is a bait enough of a base to be like oh there's this she's he's just not as invested in this family as she is and that's almost a reason why she would maybe be look somewhere else yeah you get the sense i mean i know nothing about like the history of sort of like deaf culture or anything like that but you get the sense that there was like a conversation early on where he was like we'll just institutionalize them and she was like no there's this thing where we can like have this other way of parenting these kids and like you did like does that make sense where it's like it was kind of like kind of like an almost like old school versus new school like attitude I just call towards it good school. folks with disabilities so yeah um, my pick is Goldie Hawn and shampoo. Here's why. Here's why. The movie puts a lot of value on being cool. True. Especially for the women. They're all cool girls. Yeah. Not to sound like that um monologue from Gone Girl, which I rewatched the other day because sometimes I just watch that monologue. Um, they're all like very cool. Like they all just really have their stuff together. They're very composed. They don't say what they feel very much. You know, and if they do have feelings, it comes out in like a manly way, like manifesting through like aggression and alcoholism. Um, and Goldie Hawn is not that like she's not very sophisticated. She has a lot of feelings from the beginning. She tries to just like say them like a normal person. And there's times where she's like trying to be cool, like at that party um, where she's trying to make him jealous a little bit. Uh but she's not playing like dumb or like a ditz. Like, that's not the difference. It's not like, oh, they're sophisticated and she's a bumpkin. It's just that, like she's earnest and not at all cool. And they're, you know, the other women are very cool. And I just think that she like does that with a lot of dignity and realness. And I think that like in other someone else's hands, that character would be really annoying. Um, and it's not annoying. And in fact, like she's extremely relatable and you really just sort of respect her struggle to like she just doesn't like she's just like all the other characters seem like movie characters you know they're like the female equivalent of like bonds you know like they're just like no one's that cool um and she just felt very real and i like that i don't know if that's the writing or if that's her i think it's a combination but i thought she was excellent private benjamin herself next is best actor so mine is tim curry we already talked about Oh, we with, talked about uh, mine already too. Plug your an, ears, Sam. Save yourself. Al Pacino, runner-up for me. How was my name, Uno? Yeah. Oh wow. 
Mine's Walter Matthau. That was oh, my number. Boy. That was my runner up. With third place yeah. being I, I, wait, wait, did we abort? Abort. Did I forget about uh? Who is the best supporting actor? We forgot about George Burns for best supporting actor. I didn't. I didn't. I decided not to give it to him. Gone. Oh, he was. Forgotten. He was on my list. George, but not forgotten. I really liked him. Over Walter Matthau. That's why I thought. Andy, do you want to do any more espousing about Matthau? We already sort of defended him. Yeah, I mean, I leapt for my laptop to Google his Walter Matthau Jewish. <laughs> and I couldn't uh, I couldn't publish this, my notes, until I saw it in the affirmative. <laughs> one would feel different if, if he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things I already said already. We think we one of the last things we said in our previous conversation about him was talking about the audition scene, which it's just good to laugh again, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I think I am more. I'm definitely more of a definitely more of a Lewis than a Clark, but there was something about his behavior in the audition scene. Which, which which reminded me a lot of myself, especially in situations with Rachel, particularly when, you know, they keep trying to wind up. There's a couple of false starts and they're winding up to start the audition. And they're like, are you ready? Are you ready? And he's like, yeah, it's gonna be 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just, that was one of the biggest laughs for me. But yeah, just, just overall, I just really, really. I think that really like- Enjoy his performance. Yeah, I think overall between Lewis and Clark, I do, I mean, we won't get too much into the marriage counseling on it, but the, but the sort of the myth of the false alpha of, the, of Walter Matthau's character in, in the duo, like it seems like he's the one who's in charge and has all the power, but he's very much not. If, just because he's blustering doesn't mean he's in charge. And I see that in our relationship, Andy. Well, um, this, so mine was, yeah, mine was Al, Al Pacino. Big Al. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that we really haven't talked about this movie. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. We need to do we kind of get into get into dog day. I mean, we might be talking about it more later because I this was I love the second movie movie I saw. So it's been a while. (laughs) It's not exactly fresh on my mind. I thought that, you know, obviously, like I mean, generally my sort of Pacino knowledge is pretty limited. I have not seen a ton of his movies. And, you know, a lot of what I understand of him is sort of like uh, built on just how people talk about him on like ringer podcasts about the Godfather, this idea that he gets like increasingly bigger and more cartoonish as time goes mm. on and things like that. We did watch heat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've seen oh. heat. Obviously, like I, I know, I know what people are talking. We also saw Godfather three. Like I know, I know the thing that people sure. are talking about. And Ocean's 13. Yeah, I, I, I and I also, but I think that like cruising, what he does really beautifully in this one is like just like function in an ensemble in this like really good way, where he's obviously extremely electric and exciting, and he has this very sort of like Jack and Jill frenzy character, um, where he's like always barely holding it together, but he just he bounces, he works with everyone so well, um, and. I love just like his 
physicality and, and it's also just part of the movie it's partly like the movie you know I love like the way he understands how to like act in like a smaller shot where he's just like in the uh like the bank and then his physicality when it's like him on the sort of the big stage when he's right outside yeah those scenes are such a good like those are and also, so like, the good energy he's obviously getting from like the I love the changes in energy and like his like coming back off of those when he's like on a high basically from like the attention he's getting exactly. it's such a good such good moments and then when he's like with um with chris sarandon's character and he's like trying to talk him down it's like he's it's such an interesting combination he's also kind of trying to talk john Cazale down a lot of the time yeah and i just love that the movie and in some ways it could seem like a sort of like this like chess type game you know where it's almost like why am i so bad at remembering names of movies at this point what's the denzel washington clive owen um bank robbery inside job inside man inside man the opposite of inside man yeah yeah where it's like this like they're both so thoughtful and they're in this like it's like you're watching a power struggle between two thinkers and this Pacino's is like you're watching always repeating himself in that movie. <laughs> and, and this is obviously you're like you're watching a power struggle by people who are not dumb, but they are not like they're this is an emotional situation and they're acting like it. Um, and I, I really like that. And I think he handles that very well. No, you get a sense of how incompetent, like from the first scene, the first part of the bank robbery, that's not it's not going to go smoothly. This is these are not seasoned professionals, but everyone's a little incompetent. You know what I mean? Like, no, oh, one's yeah, that definitely. Good. Like, obviously, like that they're a little they're like the cops hide out in the barbershop across the street, like does not look like a particularly fancy operation or very smartly done or anything like that. No one seems to have control over anything. Um, and yeah, I just, I think he's really, really good in it. It's like, I think maybe my favorite um, performance of his I've ever seen. Oh, definitely for me too. It's weird seeing, having seen Tootsie a bunch of times first, it's weird seeing the dad from Tootsie as the first negotiator. Carol Kane was also really good in it. She's also really good in Hester Street. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I knew you were going to bring that up. And well, like aren't the, I mean, you it's the bell of the ball, Schmoolies? It's a very long movie. The like the tension and the the the, see, the way the movie plays out from when they get on the get in the car, the bus. Oh yeah, that's perfect. And the whole negotiations with that, and going to the airport, and that final—it's just such a the baby Lance Hendrickson. The tension—it's just so well worked, and you really yeah. get you and you you're you're you. you you're you're thinking about it as as El Pacino is thinking about it in terms of like oh who's who's got the power in the situation what's going to happen how can I deal how can I get out of this and stuff like that you're kind of thinking it through this at the same time and it's done very well yeah it's it's like the opposite of like sort of watching like he, they're just both clearly on the defensive the whole time like they're all just looking at plugging holes which is yeah. like, I guess, like the other comparison is like, you know, it's not like watching like a dark night or something and you have like a joker who's like ever, 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 you know, in charge or joke, you know, or joker is always like, he's not plugging holes. He's like making the moves. Should we move on to best actress? Best actress. 
there's not i didn't find there to be that there's not that many choices for this i feel like you have to just go with the with the choice so i want Catherine ross oh me too i want louise fletcher who's louise fletcher from cuckoo's nest nurse ratchet oh she's the one who actually won it she's the one who actually won can i say my nurse ratchet thing my thesis about nurse ratchet andy's heard me say this like a couple of times now i'm so ready okay so here's what i think about nurse ratchet i think the cultural memory of nurse ratchet is so much worse than the actual movie and performance of it and so this is maybe why i liked her performance so much it's because i feel like I hadn't seen the movie up before. And I obviously I'd only read like the first half of the book, but I'd seen like the previews for the Ryan Murphy thing. And just like the way people talk about the nurse rat as like the devil incarnate, a devil. Yeah. Like, like, like an actual, like, like, like just like a true sadistic, horrible psychopath, basically. Like she's the real the super like, villain. Yeah. yeah she's, just, she's the real villain. And so that's kind of what I was going and expecting. But what you see in the performance in the writing is she's just someone who's caught in a situation where she has power struggles all the time. And she has very, she has the same attitude towards power, which is like, you know, I want the upper hand all the time as Nicholson's character. She's much more like a bad teacher than she is a super villain where she just needs to be in charge and she does things to be in charge because she cannot stand the idea even though she's obviously in charge she's in charge like there's no doubt about it but she can't stand the idea of that even for a second she would have anything other than the total and complete upper hand which to me is much more like a bad teacher than a super villain and like and but but also Jack Nicholson is the same way. He can't stand for a second that he would have anything other than the upper hand. And that's where they have this struggle where they're constantly trying to top each other. So like when she says, I mean, obviously it's like the worst part is when she, you know, does the thing to Billy when she says, you know, I'm going to call your mom. She's not thinking I want him to go into a spiral. She's thinking, I want him to know who's really in charge here. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want him to know that I'm the boss. Like I have these cards and I will play them if I need to, which to me is just much more of just, yeah. Like people who don't handle power very well. Um, and, and it's she- a much, it's a much more normal thing. There are people like that all over the place. And I just think that she does that really well. And I just, um, I thought that that was really beautiful as like a commentary. And it's really sad that our society, instead of turning that into like a, oh my gosh, look what bad things happen when you look at power that way or look at your interactions that way. It's like, oh no, she's just a super villain. Like, you know, like, I don't know. That's like so sad, but she handles that beautifully, I think. And she, I think Louise Fletcher seems to understand what that role does, is. Yeah. She also uses the, especially in, in like the group therapy sessions, She's doing like the uh, her Brooks from Miracle strategy of if the if the people hate each other and are angry at each other, if you sow discord. No, wait, she's doing the reverse her Brooks. Sorry. If they sow discord in if you sow discord, they're going to be too busy hating each other to hate you. Yeah. Um. Whereas the Jack Nicholson's and Jack Nicholson is working against that, trying to get if he can get everyone to 
stop and think for a second and stop and stop playing her games of of like sowing discord then they'll be able to band together because there's just more of like there's, there's they just have p- power in numbers whereas she's really she is the trying to slow trying to get the classes to to hate each other yeah no she's yeah she is just she needs power like she for she her job does. she needs for power. her safety like when you really think about it, they they put her and one other woman in that and a bunch of security mm. guards you know like not even security are they even technically security guards or janitorial staff yeah basically you know? like she needs to hold they, this is not like a situation that's built sustainably in any way shape or form and they don't really seem to care about her at all or the day-to-day life of these patients, like the men who are in charge. So. Yeah, she, she has, she needs power and she has built that on a base of fear and discord. Yeah. And so that she cannot have the status quo. And I, and that's what Jack Nicholson's character is trying to stand to status quo. And she is reacting strongly to that change. Well, no, yeah, I and, agree that it's a and it's obviously it's a, much a complicated movie because like she believes like Jack Nicholson, I think, does not think any at the end of the day, he doesn't think any of those people are actually mentally ill at all or have anything wrong with them. I think he thinks that they would all do fine. That character believes that that they'd yeah. all if they could all just leave, they'd all be fine. And she clearly doesn't think that. And I don't think the movie thinks it either. I don't think the movie fully sides with Jack Nicholson that like the real crazies are, you know, like, like, you know, I, but I can't tell if the movie yeah. is like aware that like, I don't know. I, that, that's what I don't like about one flew over the cuckoo's nest is like, I feel like the movie hasn't decided if it agrees with Jack Nicholson's thesis that like, no one's actually mentally ill. We're all just like, if we're crazy, it's just because of like the man. And I just mm-hmm. think that there's a lot of lack of clarity in the movie's point of view there, which is um, the movie's fault. And that's why I don't love the movie, but I do love her performance. And I love that the, that character is a wonderful character and I don't like what like society has done to it. Society, the man, what the man, the man has, has done. done. That's the real problem with Louise the man. When closer, yeah. What's interesting is Louise Fletcher seems to really leverage that prevailing cultural understanding of the nurse ratchet character in her her character from star trek deep space nine who is, <laughs> yeah no seriously who is very much uh like a wolf in sheep's clothing slow burn sort of methodical insidious nice on the outside terrible plotting on the inside sort of thing like professor umbridge yeah i mean it's a a little more slick than that, but but yeah. Professor Umbridge isn't slick. I feel I'm like it's, there's, there's less of a there's less of a gap between the inside and outside. I feel like she wears her her evil enough on. Yeah, pink cannot be evil, Andy. Yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. As a bad um, comparison. Yeah, she is by far. I mean, Jack Nicholson is good. Um, but I think I can't yeah, stand Jack Nicholson in this movie. I can't either. I think that's yeah, another that re- reason why. So revolting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think in the end, he's not treating... That's the thing that the movie, I don't think, fully comprehends is he's not treating them that much, the, the, his, the fellow inmates, I guess, that much better than no. Louise Fletcher. Most of the time, he is using them as a pawn in his power game against Louise Fletcher, yeah, which exactly. is also what she does, too. She uses them in a power in, as pawns in a power struggle against him. They are the same. It's just he looks cooler. Yeah. When he's a man, right? So, I mean, it's just. And he's a man. Yeah. The whole different playing field. Yeah. That's why I, yeah, I didn't I just, think of her for, for this award. I didn't. I guess I didn't think of that movie at all. For <laughs> uh, coming for awards. So, easy yeah, to do. That's why I picked Catherine Ross. Especially relative to The Graduate, because she has so little to do in The Graduate. Mm-hmm. She also, I feel like she someone else might have done her character kind of like the other city girl that she bonds with who's yeah. a little more over the top and and kind of like very new york big city i don't know how to explain it but new york with a very intense southern accent does she have a southern accent doesn't she the very twangy woman that sort of gets that she's like besties with the taller one that's the, the taller yeah, the tall one. That can come yeah. to mind um i don't know i didn't i didn't catch a southern accent but but anyway Catherine ross kind of does a it's a very mature and also mature performance and the character is also pretty well written in terms of like how the photography and her relationship with her husband is is also nuanced. Um, I didn't really love the movie that much. Oh, I really, yeah, that's too bad. Um, I was very impressed by it. I, I found it. maybe it's just a modern thing. I found it just to be a little lopsided in terms of how much of the movie was spent post realization. Um, that's fair. And how, like, I just felt like there was uh, it spent a little too much time in the this is what is happening to these women side of things mm. yeah that midsection where they're basically going from every other woman to every other woman to every other woman the two of them together it's a little long in the tooth you could say yeah yeah i didn't that's it just felt like that was that could have been used for well, I don't know what would happen, but it could have been used for more stuff on the, on the night of the transformation and just kind of more used on that those scenes, more of that time. Because, I, I mean, this, the, the part, I think there were so many good payoffs for what the, 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 for the drawings of the eyes, yeah. um, which are we supposed to believe that, that they take the eyes from the women? Cause the, cause the, the robot didn't have eyes or whatever the, the like like eyes, right? Yeah. No, she had black. It was black. I'm not sure. Anyway, well, but the pictures, yeah. and then when they were like measured out the room, her room, like all the men came up and measured out Catherine Ross's room. And then you realize it's cause they kind of have this, this clone, this robot clone kind of in waiting in a, in a version of it and i think that's like there's the the way those those weird moments with the men's groups are are paid out i think are very well done but just happens so late and i just 
that was my main cry. issue. Yeah, to your point, it's uh, this was didn't have the biggest. Uh, I mean, in part, it's the list we made, right? But didn't, it felt like we didn't have the biggest list to or group to pull from for this category. Do I have much to add? I don't know. Should come. I mean, it's it's a you know strong, confident character. It's a big role too. I mean, it's it's so much of it is 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 her movie. So to portray that consistently on screen is not easy to do. I don't always like to go there, but I, I mean, she, she is quite striking. <laughs> And oh, it's, 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 it's hard. Beautiful. It's hard to take your eyes off of her if, if that's your thing <laughs> or for 90 minutes. But but as compared to graduate, she does. It doesn't feel like she's just there to look at. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Um, And by the end, if you if you were in that and I was, if you're in that state at the beginning where you're like, oh, she's absolutely beautiful. That's not how you're feeling at the end. Well, insofar as you're not supposed to be the supermarket scene best director uh oh, we're all in a standoff <laughs> I, I went can... a little bonkers on this one oh. you go Herbert ahead. ross really no i did not say Herbert <laughs> ross. i went with robert altman i think that on a from a start to finish viewing perspective Nashville isn't my favorite movie on this list. Isn't, in my opinion, the best movie on this list. But as a as a technical achievement, I I really do think Nashville is is a masterpiece from so many different angles. Just uh, assembling something as unwieldy as is uh, as an ensemble cast of that size is is quite a feat. Uh, all the original music for it, the the through line of the politician uh, is just is some and the, like we the van that politician's van that we see like going from I don't know scene to scene is I, I think I think just like really slick and smart and just how it all is woven together is 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 to me just smacks of the the direction of it and for someone to be able to pilot that some something that ponderous. Uh, maybe ponderous isn't the right word since it's usually a pejorative, but I wanted to I wanted to honor Nashville in some way, and this seemed like one of the most appropriate ways to do it. So thank you, Nashville. I um, you actually convinced me to change mine with that. I mean, I the, I was between Nashville. I was between this and. And Jaws, those were that was that's what I was between. Oh, I was gonna say Kubrick for Barry Lyndon was my original choice. Oh, I was hoping we could just skip right on past. For for (laughs) me, I think not to like insert myself immediately. So much of Barry Lyndon to me is, and I'm forgetting his name, but it's the same cinematographer that he used for for most of his movies. Uh, Yeah, cinematographer. Is it the English cinematographer? The guy who did like 1917 recently. What's his name? No, he died. Somewhat unexpectedly. One died. Yeah, he had like a rare disease or something like that and died like kind of midlife in like the 80s or 90s. 
but I mean, not to devour your, <laughs> your moment, Rachel, but that that's how I reconcile that. Cause yeah, I think there's a lot to be said to, to celebrate Barry Lyndon, but yeah, I digress. I think so. My thought on Barry Lyndon, yeah, I guess like you were saying is it is just such a gorgeous looking movie and it is like, it took me a second to realize what I was watching. When I say a second, I mean like an hour, but that's a second in that movie's time frame because it's a long movie. Um, and, but once it became a little bit more interior, I thought the movie really started to take off. I just really loved the, just like little things that they did with production and like costuming and stuff like that. Um, that made it super, super effective. I mean, it's not like, I really don't like Ryan O'Neill in that movie. I think oh, it's so bad. bad. He's really bad. And I mean, it doesn't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think Stanley Kubrick is really good at directing actors. Like that's like kind of his, like, I don't know. Or maybe he just like, isn't good at casting. I don't. I can't think of a single Stanley, a single. There could have been so many people who's done, done their that best better. performance in a Stanley Kubrick movie. <laughs> um, like it's just. I don't know. He's not really that. I don't know. It's hard to say. But, um, it's just a very beautiful looking movie. But I could see what you mean, Andy, with the cinematography, and not to fully like, not to agree with you both on the counterpoint to my point, and also your original point, just to give you both. But I guess I did not, when I was thinking about Altman, I forgot about the music and the fact that like, yeah, they, like he sort of in a very auteur way, like set up this very original way of doing music for a musical, which is so original um, and very, very cool. And you like, don't even realize it until the end where you're watching the credits. You're like, oh my God, like they wrote it. Like, that's so cool. Um, Cause it just seemed like they were probably, I, I thought that he would have just like, gone to like a you know whatever the tin pan alley of nashville is and ask them for some songs but also the um the way altman is like really insightful about like celebrity um and like the nature of celebrity and things like that it seems very 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 ahead of his time uh, in terms of people making movies about that and like kind of the stunt casting of the two actual celebrities but also like the role of the celebrity politician and like, he just seems to be thinking about a lot of very interesting things. And I think he, he doesn't really finish a lot of his thoughts, you know, like that's fine, but he's very good at putting interesting ideas out there. So that's why I will change my Kubrick to Altman. Yeah, I think I'll do Altman too. I was, I was leaning towards him anyway. Um, I think my favorite part, was really the the, the separate storylines and how you had kind of had these nodes of interaction between many of them were in the same place. Kind of you had a bit of that with the airport and then again in the car crash. Mm. Um, and then you have them all separate out and then they kind of all come back together at the at the uh, party for the main for the lead singer and then they kind of all come out and then and kind of the way that it's just like the balancing act of doing all of them at the same time and, and not feeling like you're getting pulled around. And um, 
and also the way that humor is kind of woven in and it's it's um i don't know i thought i was very impressed by it as a kind of like a storytelling achievement um if if not maybe my favorite of the movies but it felt like what like a movie it was a movie movie yeah i don't know um okay so i go into the best thing i ever saw best thing i ever saw someone else go first yeah i want andy to go first me first i went first the last time i know you did hold on okay i just feel like mine you are y'all gonna are gonna be like what but the one that I want to rewatch the most right now is Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> oh, you started you started with a D. I thought you were gonna say Dumb Sunshine Boys. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, I I think ultimately like Dumb Sunshine Boys is you know it's good, it's great, but it's not my favorite favorite. Yeah, Dog Day Afternoon is the one that I want to rewatch the most right now. I so enjoyed watching that movie. I think partly because I didn't know what it was gonna be. Um. Which the characters are so well played out. The tension is so good. Yes, it's a little long, but I don't know. It's just, I, I just really like that movie. I kind of already said why. A lot of it's Pacino. Um, but I would I would rewatch that in a second. I thought it was great. That's my point. You have different, my... different ideas for rewatching than I do. Mm-hmm. I really liked Dog Day Afternoon, and it was in my. It was in the top. It was between that and and what I will pick. Um, Do you want me to bet second? I'll I'll go. I'll go. Mine is Jaws. I think especially. I think I was maybe a little disappointed in that the second half was all just the three of them on a boat because I was enjoying so much the beach town and especially like the such very at least for me obvious covid analogy to like this a corporate entity or the town being kind of run by a corporate entity wanting valuing business over people's safety and kind of trying to hide the reality of what is going on in order to keep people coming to the town and keep commerce going at an acceptable rate. Um, but just like the beach scenes I found to be so enticing of like the people playing and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting until something happens. And also just like the, uh, the action scenes, I just, the, I found it very gripping and, and I was a little I don't, I think I like the first half of the movie better than the second half. I did like the three of them on the boat, but it kind of slows down. It becomes a, a, a different movie, one I'm less interested in, um, in terms of like the man versus beast kind of thing. That doesn't, that's just not as what I, I don't like that kind of storyline. Um, but still, I think it was, and I, I, I guess, to, as a counterpoint to Andy, I was pretty impressed with how well how well the the shark holds up and the way it's shot. Um, obviously, there are points at which you could tell, but I don't. I think, I think, especially because I've grown up on CGI, I think I'd rather have 
the mechanical shark. Oh, totally. And something yeah. tactile than all CGI scenes. And I think that maybe that's why it was refreshing to see that comparatively. Um, and I also think because you don't have CGI or they didn't use it, it you get that you have to rely more on post you, you rely more on non-visual things like all of the stuff with the, the, the barrels and you, yeah. that's where you get a sense or, or the, the, the carnage after when they find the, the boat that was kind of taken apart, you're getting more, you you get, Ben-Garner you have boat. to rely more. Yeah. You have to rely more on, on the, the, the aura of the creature. And I think that, it served itself well by 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 hiding it for parts of the movie um yeah as you were saying the second half of this movie had has never felt so long to me than other and then any other time of, of of watching it that first half is goes down real nice the first scene i mean come on it's amazing yeah I don't know. I mean, we'll get into this with burning questions. I think that Steven Spielberg sometimes doesn't do very well with moralizing because he like likes to fit pretty easily into like this person good, this person bad. And he really is concerned with the nature of goodness. You know, like how does like how how does goodness prevail? How does all that stuff happen? But to me, like, yes, he sets up that the town has corporate interests and blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't seem to, like, spend a lot of time on it in any interesting way. Like, he's not interested in, he's not, he doesn't seem interested in the nature of badness. He just, he likes good guys and good characters. And I think this is true in a lot of his movies, you know, like, like, Schind- like I feel like Schindler's List is, like, a kind of good example. You know, like, he likes, he likes the idea of goodness prevailing. He likes, like, that as a character study. And obviously these are three good guys and it's about their goodness and why, how they're good guys and how good guys can look different. And like, but to me, the interesting thing, like you said, is like the, how do people act so much, not in their own self-interest thinking that there are acting in their own self-interest? Like what, how do people assess risk? Like how do people do that stuff? Um, Cause it's not just the guy in the town that says that this isn't a big deal. It's all of these other people. And that's, to me, that's interesting just the way, and, and he just could seem to give less of a shit about that element of the movie. Um, other than the fact that it, it makes room for the good guys to be good guys. Does that make sense? Good guys with guns. Yeah. And harpoons. The story of Jaws. I don't know. I'm being too hard on Jaws. Obviously, it's very entertaining. I think the entertainment factor might be where it it slides above Donna Afternoon for me. Especially when you just mentioned rewatchable, rewatchability, which I do enjoy in a movie. Which reminds me, I still need to rewatch Dazed and Confused. Anyway. Andy, have you said your pick yet? Far out proportions. I don't think you have. No, he hasn't. Have I said the best thing I ever saw? Yeah, what's the best thing you ever saw, Andy? If you keep saying my name, people are going to... Andy S. Schmidt. Andy S. 
I don't know. Andy Schmidt Schmidt. I just got fired. <laughs> uh the best thing I ever saw is shampoo. I that's, uh, <laughs> let's a go. Rachel, a real Rachel lullaby. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Feet to the Fire, really the the only movies I want to watch like 90% of the time are screwball comedies. And I was really floored to see, um, I'm trying to think of what, or you were describing this with Barry Lyndon, Rachel, how it kind of took you a while to realize, what, I think it was Barry Lyndon, you, it took you a while to realize what it was. And once you realized what it was, you were really in and it really clicked and uh, it was a great ride. Once I realized that, like, oh, this is a almost kind of sort of like slobs and uh, what's it? That's uh, yeah, slobs and snobs esque screwball comedy. Um, you didn't get that from the first scene, but not that that was the prevailing. Okay, that that was what the whole movie nature was of, be. Its, of its of its of its, uh, its a, a big part of its DNA, I guess. And even once we get to the like the cooler <laughs> election night party with the uh, I'm because there's a they're in a like a pool house right and is there a tennis court involved? Yes, on the house just like in Sabrina, one of my favorite movies of all time, and yeah. I just felt not like this is like a spiritual update to Sabrina, but another screwball comedy to a degree. And the, the warm and fuzzies that that part of the movie gave me in particular about uh, hearkening back to, to Sabrina made me appreciate it a lot or made me appreciate it even more, but in a way, you know, it sort of is like a, not more mature, but you know, a, a 20 years into the future, representation of a movie like Sabrina with the sort of cultural social anxieties of of that time and I feel I shouldn't feel bad saying this I don't feel bad saying this I read the Roger Ebers review of it he wasn't a big fan of it and he made like it it the, his review ends with I guess insulting the intelligence of the people behind him when he screened it for at the end remarking on the the beauty of the Hollywood Hills I guess instead of the deeper thematic undertones but just give me some Hollywood Hills shots yeah, yeah, like yeah. between, between <laughs> let's, this let's and, once on upon a time, hills, baby. and once upon a time in Hollywood like hills. I could watch I could watch Warren Beatty drive that motorcycle up and down the Hollywood Hills uh, all day and night uh so I really like that. And I think it, it's been a long time since a piece of art has really felt like it was, and this is overstating it to a degree, but just like really speaking to me and meeting me exactly where I was at at the time. Um, summer's always sort of like a weird, funky headspace for me, usually entailing a good degree of anxiety. And I was sort of peaking... <laughs> At that point in time, when we when we watched this peaking anxiety wise, and just 
to certain things that have been on my mind a lot that are like very clearly on the mind of, you know, some of the characters from a movie almost 50 years old. That's a period piece. It was just sort of refreshing to think, oh, okay, you know, these problems have gone unsolved in the last 50 years and we're still here. And there's a, a particular, towards the end, speaking of the hills, I feel like it's when they're on the top of that hill towards the end and Julie Christie's about to leave with Jack Warden and Beatty in his pleading to her to stay and maybe even get married. Is that when he propo- he proposes to her at some point, right? Maybe it's at the end. Maybe it's, it's not that. But when he, he says something like, you know, we're here right now. Like, I'm not gonna give up and is like i'm still alive i'm still here i'm still breathing i'm gonna do as much as i can to you know pursue what i want and not let that you know not let some like hypothetical or like uh i don't know imagined anxiety uh get get in the way it doesn't work out so great for him but it was just i don't know it was was like weird like i it was a very weird like you needed to hear that at that time yeah existential artistic uh synaptic connection that was that was going on but yeah it's just such such a movie i've uh really adored more and more the more i think about it and read there's a great frank rich essay on it speaking of um i love frank the second uh yeah second callback to the broadway tapes yeah on the episode he does the I feel like most Criterion movies on the Criterion site have a companion essay and he does the one for shampoo. That's just, that's, you know, he can talk about it a lot better than I can, but just the prescience of it that he mentions in terms of the so shape of things to come politically, especially for the Republican party and how there's the, you know, the, like you can trace to some degree this, the, the birth or endurance of contemporary the contemporary GOP to Southern California. And that's captured to a degree in that, in that movie, especially with the, the, the election results party with the picture of Ronald Reagan, which was kind of weird for just kind of being two idiots. Like, were they just like big fans of Ronald Reagan, the actor at this restaurant? But I forgot that he was, he would have been governor, like about to be governor of California at some point around mm. the time of, of the Nixon election. Goldwater so, yeah. was from Arizona. For some reason, I thought Goldwater was from California. Oh, I would have thought that too. Yeah. Goldwater's from Arizona. But go shampoo. I guess Nixon was from California too, duh. Yeah. 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 Shampoo, um, we salute you. We salute you. Um, okay. Burning questions. We have three different ones. It's been a while since we had three different ones. Um, um, is Jaws the best Steven Spielberg movie? I'm going to say nope. Got to be 1941. I've never even Andy. seen 1941. I know it's a big fixture uh, in the, in the I'm White kidding. Raven household. He's I'm also saying no, though. I think I, I've not seen a lot of... I was looking down the list just now of Steven Spielberg movies. Never seen Schindler's List. Never seen... What else? There's a big a couple other big ones. Never seen ET. Oh wow. Um, I think definitely of the ones I've seen, Indiana Jones and Raiders of Lost Ark is better. 
Um, I don't know. Is Saving Saving Private Ryan might be better? I think a lot of movies are better than Jaws, actually. Like as I mean, I. So my thing is definitely hands down, no doubt, ET is better than Jaws, and definitely hands down, no hands down, no doubt, Jurassic Park is better than Jaws. I've never seen Jurassic Park. Those are the two like obvious choices for me. Yeah, that's insane, Sam. Although I guess I would never I've have seen, seen these things if it I think Munich for... is pretty good. Oh, Munich! Really <laughs> I've seen good. Munich. Shout out um... to our aborted thrillers episode, <laughs> political thrillers episode. I have seen Munich, but I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I've seen Munich. Yeah. I've seen the adventures of Tintin, <laughs> Bridge of Spies, The Post. The Post is The Post better than Jaws? That's the question. <laughs> oh my God, no. <laughs> Ready I think that that's like, I'm guessing you haven't seen Close Encounters. Nope. Going through this list, I am realizing that like wonder is 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 the is the place I like Steven Spielberg to live in. Is the emotion I like Steven Spielberg to live in awe moralizing i don't like it when he lives there like i just find those movies i like i like saving private ryan fine i just find that i just find when he does that it's very boring like lincoln and bridge of spies and blah 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 blah. great like the post you know it's like a i'm a sucker for that kind of post i'm just Um, i'm a sucker for that i think he's i think i think indiana jones is it's just like the it's the act like it's the action it's the fun stuff is the is the good part i just like 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 a like a really like wholesome awe that's what i like and he's good with scary stuff too like, so what did you see think... catch me if you do have you seen catch me if you oh can? my yeah that's goodness. that's I, I would have forgotten all of uh, that that's a great be, movie yeah that's that a good movie my, yeah yeah, my, yeah that's yeah. a great movie yeah i think that's that above is, it too yeah that's i was gonna moral, say he he struggles so much with endings when you were responding to Sam in the previous category and you ultimately said that he has a hard time with moralizing or I forgot exactly how you put it. I thought you were going to say, as I almost did that he just has a really hard time wrapping things up. Like when you think of all of these or a lot of these movies, we've said jaws in particular, it's just hard to, for him to, to stick the landing. I'm good. I'm, I'm terrible at, finishing things myself not like i'm a movie maker but thinking you know thinking when i think of raiders jaws jurassic park et the final like 30 ish minutes of those movies just don't really hold together that much for me and just thinking thinking about my favorite parts from a lot of those movies the most memorable parts most wondrous parts last 30 minutes i don't think that was that great either i'm trying to think of what last 30 minutes of it yeah Definitely the first half. I would say maybe the 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 landlocked parts uh, part of Jaws is the best Steven Spielberg movie. But from start to finish, but I don't know, it's hard. I don't I don't know if there is a perfect Steven Spielberg movie for me. Jurassic Park has a similar problem where the last twenty minutes is a little. Oh, see, I love the second climactic, or but I'm, I'm after that though. There's more. Everything, everything post kitchen. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> everything post kitchen is kind of a dud relative to the rest. Uh, everything once the government is involved in, in ET is not the best. When they're waiting and waiting for oh the ending of Minority Report um, sucks too. Oh yeah. 
I was gonna say when they're when they're waiting for like, are the aliens gonna come out? And endings are hard in general, so it's not like this is yeah. a purely Steven Spielberg issue. I don't want. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be too hard on Steven. You know. So um, it's too, you can only there's only so many I ways do. to pace out your set pieces too, right? You know, he is sort of the inventor of the you know modern blockbuster set piece laden film and you know a lot of the jaws money shots are earlier in jaws a lot of the best sequences from jurassic park are from earlier in the film well i think that's because when you're when rachel you're talking about awe and 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 i think he's good at the world building and and the those points in jaws where you you are building a world around the shark rather than the than than looking a lot at the shark itself because once the shark is fully in the shot it becomes the mystique is gone i think he's good at it he's good at the mystique i think it's also a testament to the fact that a lot of times he's just not saying anything that interesting that's also true like that's kind of what I was saying about the moralizing before. Like, okay, the good guy wins. Like, there's only so many ways that good guys can win in an interesting way. Whereas, like, Nashville has a good ending because of it. Kind of makes you feel kind of gross and like, oh yeah, very like, much so. Like, good endings often don't fit into like neat little tidy boxes of good guy win especially for someone who's supposed to be one of like the best directors of all time. And are these, you know, like, you know, have these amazing movies, like, but that can I mean just... a lot of things, right. Technical achievement, just the way that he totally. knows where to place a camera and move a camera and spectacle and all of that. I guess like, especially um, in an episode like this, when we're talking about, we're comparing him to like a tours, like right. we're, we're comparing him at least in, like implicitly. I am like comparing so him that. to, yeah, Met and Kubrick and like you know these people that Herbert are very Ross. Ro- Robert, Robert Altman. Ross, Robert Altman, like these people who really sort of are doing stuff intellectually. <laughs> yeah, Spielberg to me is more of like uh, Gene Sachs. Who's that? So we were joking about before. He directed Barefoot in the Park. <laughs> oh, we yes. told him to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe catch Oops. me if it, to answer to, for me to actually answer the question. Maybe catch me if you can. Uh, I need, to, I need a, to rewatch that one to firmly place it in my. Had such a love affair with that movie. It's Raiders. And I do think that his um, his vibe and uh, um, Tom Hanks go together very well. It's just like it, yeah. just like em- embrace the good guy nature of it. Embrace the, you know, the obsession with being good, and then have Tom Hanks. It makes perfect sense. Next uh, question: Who were better, nineteen sixty-seven or nineteen seventy-five? I'm looking at this list of sixty-seven movies right now, just Ooh. for those people who need. Yeah, a can reminder. you do a review? This is, uh, I don't know what the order of this is. Belle de Jour, Barefoot in the Park, You Only Live Twice, Dirty Dozen, In the Heat of the Night, Bonnie and Clyde, Two for the Road, Jungle Book, Cool Hand Luke, Producers, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Valley of the Dolls, Dr. Doolittle, The Graduate, and Weekend. I think it's safe to say that 67 had the lower lows. 
Oh yeah, yeah the grade point 75's average. Seventy-five is higher average. Seventy-five. Yeah. Is there anything better than two for the road? No. See, that's yeah, but I, yeah, if you were to put them all together, what's the best movie? Probably still two for the road for me. I do love shampoo though. But the I would probably still pick seventy five since just the grade point average is so yeah. much higher. It's a better team performance. Yeah. Yeah, maybe on sale this weekend on iTunes. Three. Snatched it up, two for the road. I love that movie so much. One for me. We should watch it tonight. Two for the road, directed by Nancy Myers, written by Norman Efron. <laughs> <laughs> A remake. I mean, I guess neither that you know, one's dead and one's not really in remaking territory, but God would I love a remake. Did you answer the question, Dash Moolies? I'm thinking about it. I'm taking this seriously. I think it's I think it might even be 1975 on just the yeah, grade point average and kind of the the mid-tier. Because what would we say is the worst movie on this 75 list? I do not like Cuckoo's Nest. I don't like doing like worst talk and lists a lot. But just to kind of think of lowest lows. Yeah, it's Cuckoo's Nest. Holy Grail and Cuckoo's Nest. Night moves. Night moves. But apart from that, there's really not. Whereas you have Doolittle, Barefoot in the Park, Weekend. Oh, Cool Hand Luke. I cool Hand really Luke. Really did not like. No. Guess who's I didn't coming love to Bonnie dinner? And Clyde. I didn't love Bonnie and Clyde. Is that really oh, like that much? Yeah. Um, I mean, and and then you also have like oh, you like twice dolls. on that list, which obviously I, I love Valley of the Dolls. Get, get like your Valley of the Dolls, dolls. out of yeah. here. But it, but again, think put Valley yeah, of the Dolls, of the dolls and like you only live twice movie. or like oh, mid level yeah. movies yeah. in this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's uh I mean, it's, on it's 75. S- on 67, guess who's coming to dinner was one of my favorites. Yeah. And oof, duh, I don't think it would compare to the top. Well, yeah, I think that's I think it's, a, it's a long list. it's a long 8 years also. I think it's For hard movies. to to yeah, to compare in terms of like guess who's coming to dinner and like the the what what guess who's coming to deal dinner is dealing with compared to some of the more issues-based stuff. I really loved In the Heat of the Night. Yeah. And the point of 67 was not that it was the best movie year. It was that it was a revolutionary movie year. So if we think about it, like, you know, if we want to go to the American Revolution of it all, 67 is the Articles of Confederation. 75 is, like, the Constitution. You know, it's like, it's like, it's it's the turning point. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm saying the Constitution. Not that the Constitution's that great, obviously. You know, like okay, next Revolutionary War based movies is the next one we're watching. Seventeen seventy six. I don't even know what else. The Patriot, John Adams, the TV show. I watched that. I never saw it. I've watched. Is that what that was called? Mel, the Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot. When did yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't need to watch that. <laughs> um. Okay. Next question. Something about Stanley Kubrick. No, we don't have to do it. Never mind. We're moving on. Best Rocky Horror Song. I got to look at the title. The Frankenstein one. I've always had a soft spot for the over at the Frank. There's a light over. Is it like there's a light parentheses over at the Frankenstein place? 
something like that. I don't remember what the name is the song over at the Frankenstein Manor or something like that. Um, yeah, that's it. probably it. No, it's not. You guys, what? What's the touch a touch a touch of something over at the Frank? Yeah, it's just over at the Frankenstein place. I want to feel dirty. Creature of the night. Time warp is good. Yeah, like all the other songs are better than that one. Okay, so time warp. And Hot Patootie are the two best songs. Hot Patootie says is a with close, authority. I can't second. remember. I don't, to be honest, I don't remember what any of them are relative to the title. I'd have to actually listen to them. And Damn it, Janet is better than what you're talking about. Uh, like, Sweet Transvestite is better. Like, I don't Damn know. Please touch a touch a. What's that? I can't read the end of that song title. This is a bad um, question for me because I can't remember song titles. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, I can't argue with Andy's Andy's point of view on over at the Frankenstein place because I know I know it comes from an earnest, you know, I, I believe you. Uh, but yeah, to me, because I'm basic, it's Hopatootie and um no, actually, I take it back. Hopatootie's kind of meant it's damn it, Janet and Time Warp are tied. Cool. Next up, we got our Pitch Me which which is where we use the best picture nominees from the year and slot them into all of them into one of five categories. The five categories being prequel, sequel, remake, Recast and reboot. Babe, they're doing PS Triple Or. Um, <laughs> I like that joke. So, mine. And so I think of these. Well, I'll go through it. So, my prequel was Dog Day. Um, Dog Day Just because I think it. What? Dog Day Morning. <laughs> dog day morning dog day noon time um i think you could i mean just how he got to that place in terms of his in his life could be interesting more of him and the chris sarandon care like a day in the life be pre a dog day in the life a dog day in the life um would be interesting so sequel i put nashville that's what I said too. That's what just because I, I think there was it supposed would, to be one at some point. Oh, it just makes sense. Fun. You can just do. I feel like you could do it in another city, <laughs> like um, in a different time. Like it could almost. I could see that happening, like a um, Richard Linklater kind of thing, where he like ten years later in a different American city that he considers to be an interesting, being an interesting point, um, and maybe a different musical city, like New Orleans or something like that. Ooh. Anyway, um, there's a ghost on the call. <laughs> and then remake. I had one flu, which I remake is generally what I do for the movie. I like the least. <laughs> um, there you go. Recast Barry Lyndon. Just so we can get Ryan O'Neill out of there. Um, and you can, you can keep everything else you just need to just get Ryan O'Neill because none of the other characters really matter it's not like an acting movie except for Ryan O'Neill and somehow they gave it to a completely the incapable one. person and then reboot 
is Jaws, just because it's the only one. Because it's the, it's kind of the one that works for that, just because it's a um, very franchisable, very franchisable. Yeah, that's, that's what's... I also associate reboots a little bit with bringing back some of the old people. Mm. Does that make sense? And that's the one I'd most like to see. Oh, yeah, Dreyfus is Roy Schneider with us. Schneider. Yeah, <laughs> like sorry, whatever. I it's think a more accommodated Schneider. Well, Schneider died about ten or so years ago. But I think also in reboot world, you're allowed to say that people aren't dead. So. I, that's oh, I we're actually, gonna do like uh, are we doing like CGI like uh, I think you like Rogue, allowed to like, pretend that they're still Schneider alive. One. Ro- like Rogue One. Are we doing? I also recently watched Rogue One. Anyway, Rachel, go through your whole list though. Actually, nine. I that's pretty much exactly the same as mine. Were there was there any differences? No, that was exactly the same. Oh wow! So pretty much being <laughs> exactly the well, same. Well, except for I had a specific idea for a couple of them. Oh, okay. okay. So you for Dog Day, for Dog Day, I want it to be the three guys how they became friends. I want it to be a high school movie. I want it to Carrie be a- Diaries. Yeah, treatment. I want it to be, but I want it to be like you know, Brooklyn in the fifties and they're doing petty crimes of some sort and they become friends. So I really, I don't want it to be that old Brooklyn in the sixties, then whatever, but like, they're in the same play pen at a Brooklyn (laughs) daycare. (laughs) But you know, it's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be a very different toned movie. I just really like those characters and I'd like to see them in like a, in like a high school, uh, fun hijinksy high school movie with petty crime. So that's my was my specific thing. Um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. We would have to, I would do remake, but I have I have to write it because um, I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, and I actually do think that there is hope for it if it were remade. Like I think that there's something to it. I also think, and this is one more thing I have to say about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. This is after talking to my parents, I think. The impact of the movie at the time was so much about, oh my God, mental institutions are bad. Like, we have to change the way this is. Like a Nellie Bly kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like an expose kind of, of like how things were. And, you know, like the practice of lobotomies and things like that. And it's just, that's why I think a remake of it would be good because like, that was impactful at the time. It's the reason why a lot of people saw it. And I think that that's a big reason why it got best picture, but there are other interesting things, like I said, going on in the movie that are not that, that that's why I think it deserves a remake. Yeah. The obvious, um, I, I just also think Barry Lyndon is like works the least for any of the other categories. Like it's, it's a massive expansive movie. It can't have a prequel or a sequel. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just like that makes sense for recasting. Oh, really? You want just? Oh, sorry. You can finish. I'll let you finish. <laughs> and reboot's always the one that I understand the least, but I do think, yeah, like Andy said, it's like franchises, things that have like really like sort of like copy and paste. Like, oh, I want to sort of reimagine this very iconic moment type of thing in a off kilter way. I'd like to see that. Basically, the Meg. You want to see the Meg. I want to see the Meg. Reboot to me entails we're making more than one. Like it's going to, we're hoping it's an enduring 
uh, fertile. Then maybe I do Nashville property. for that one. I don't want to. I'd rather watch. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to watch a ton of Jaws's. I guess they can really, make them. We have been. <laughs> I know. We watched all of them. <laughs> I haven't seen all, any of the rest of them. All of the Jaws's this we've watched. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could do it in sort of like a like you know climate changey sort of way. That would be the more Meg. interesting. Oh we gotta God! Watch that. No. Um. But I'd actually love to see the Nashville of the 80s. That was the plan, babe. You want to see that, uh, na- again in Nashville? Yeah, I want to see the Nashville. I want to I would love to see like eight, like 75, 85, 95, 2005, 2015. I'd love to see. Throw some Richard Linklater style shit in there. The Nashville of the 80s would be interesting to me. Yeah, obviously okay. it never happened, but the. Apparently, at the bottom of the Wikipedia page, there was talk of or hope of a sequel, I think even involving Altman, in which it was about 10 years in the future. I think something about, or it focused on a rivalry between the like two women who fill the vacuum of Ronnie Blakely's character being gone. Is one of them Connie Smith or whatever her name was? I think so, yeah. So what's yours, Andy Schmidt? Well, that was, yeah, sequel was Nashville. Prequel, this is sort of just by default, but I did Barry Lyndon <laughs> as in, hey, did you see that Barry Lyndon prequel yet? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you can prequel well, anything, right? Be? I don't know. It's, he had to start somewhere. He did. Did you saw <laughs> <the beginning of what? laughs> He's not a sperm in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, practically, it starts pretty early. Anyway, you have the relationship the day, between the him and his mother. Free Barry Lyndon. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. Uh, remake Dog Day Afternoon. I guess that also was kind of a default. I guess the ones I was firmest on was Nashville sequel, Cuckoo's Nest recast get anybody but but jack nicholson out of there i actually think there's like a 10-year age difference i don't think age is that important necessarily for the role but i think um michael douglas would actually be pretty good he produced it oh yeah he would um, so technically good. he won the oscar for it as did nicholson right for acting but uh, i think douglas would be pretty good i think it, kirk douglas was Nurse Ratchet. The yeah, <laughs> I think it, it, on in the stage version years earlier, Kirk Douglas was the Nicholson role in a mm. important That's production cool. of it, or a, you know, like maybe the Broadway production of it. Um, probably why Michael Douglas is was behind the production of it. And then so I said recast, yeah, remake Dog Day. I sure, I guess I don't, I don't really have anything wise to say about that one. That was sort of by default, and then because it's the most franchise fertile one, reboot Jaws. What a lovely show! Good job. So next episode, we have just agreed that we will be doing. A head-to-head showdown. Efron versus Myers. I'm here, too, to prove that it wasn't recorded afterwards. Yeah, yeah, we both (laughs) approve.
This was our idea. I'm so excited. Play it again, Sam. <laughs>